0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Our guest today is the man that goes by the name Havoc, who is a former guitar player in the band Behemoth, and is also a songwriter, and a guitar tech. He's worked with bands such as Decapitated, Therion, and a bunch of others. This guy is just a veteran who really knows how things work on the industry side of touring, And I really think he has a lot to share with all of you. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Here goes. Havoc, welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Hey there. Hello. It's good
1: to be here, man.
0: Good to have (laughs) you here. So just out of curiosity, because you've done so many different things, what do you see yourself as? Like when you think of yourself as your you know when you think of your personal identity do well, you define yourself as one of those things you know some people who do lots of things are like i'm a songwriter first and foremost or whatever like i'm just curious how you see yourself
1: i see myself as a music enthusiast for sure that's that's the first thing i was always uh, passionate about music like you know since I was a small kid i think that's the core of it it's where it all comes from so so everything I do is basically around music, but it's not one thing. So I've been in bands, I've been doing production for um, uh, for bands, I've been managing bands, I've been uh, producing uh, festival stages, you know, and I've been guitar teching mm-hmm. and and many other things, you know. And uh, I am a, sort of an artist, you know, which which basically lives in this huge music world. And and I wouldn't call myself, I wouldn't limit myself to one thing because it's, you know, I, I go with the flow basically. And whatever is happening at the moment, you know, it's like, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, you know, for example, you know, everything changed. and Sure did. Then uh, I was actually booked for, for most of the year, um, for the tours with uh, with the band called Katatonia from Sweden, it was supposed to be my first year working with uh, with them. And uh, you know, it, I did one show, and then everything was canceled. You know, so it was kind of a, everything flipped was uh, was flipped upside down. And you, you know, but but uh, after a couple of months, uh, something that I started working on a few months back—I mean, a year back or a year and a half back. I was working on creating an amplifier for Cilanos, uh, for the guitar player from the band called Dimo Borgir, mm-hmm. and we've been uh, basically done in February, right before uh, before the pandemic hit, you know, and and we were supposed to start this uh, promotional thing going, you know, so so I was kind of. Uh, Already sunk into this, you know, uh, the, this whole thing around the the amplifier, you know, and and we were supposed to release it and stuff, and so I kind of uh, naturally started also doing that beside the the planned tours. But when the tours got canceled, uh, 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 I got an offer from the from the from the amp company, you know, to to work for them as an AR artist relations right so but this this happened like few months into the pandemic you know
0: i gotta say that's what that's what one of the good things about having lots of different skills is uh your life won't completely fall apart in a pandemic
1: yeah but it did actually you know it's just um, that it's like with the conversation you know i see my life it it goes like like the conversation like that you know uh, uh depending on which which way we're uh, we're we're taking it, you know. There's always something to talk about, and there's always something mm-hmm. to do on the path that that you know that life's pushing you towards. You know, uh, I think you know, and, and but you know, it wasn't that easy. I mean, you know, I've been uh, recently diagnosed by with bipolar because of the, the pandemic hit, because of all this chain of events. I I actually found out that that I should be taking care of my mental health, you know, and and, uh, and, uh, everything connected, you know, so there is always good sides in the world falling apart as well, I think, you know, and there's a lot of things to talk about within just last year, you know, last year and a half.
0: Sounds like a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, but to keep it within your question, you know, I basically see myself as a you know as as i live with the music music is everything for me and all the other things around but but th- that's my world basically
0: i think that it goes to show that it's good to have a very broad skill set i mean it's i mean i get it if someone is like a virtuoso at their instrument right top 5 in the world or something you know like one of those players that's just better than everybody on the planet and that's all they can do okay but not many people are that good you know, like a Jeff Loomis or something, like a player of that caliber who's just...
1: Exceptional. God-level yeah.
0: <laughs> on guitar. Beyond exceptional, like an Olympic athlete. I think that if someone wants to be a musician, but that's not them, they're not able to get there to that level, it really suits them to have a broad skill set um, so that they can keep on working in music no matter what happens.
1: Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly uh, uh, what I think about that. You know, it's... but. I, I had I actually had no idea that I have some. I mean, I've been discovering those those things that happened, and I went to those paths. You know, like as as I as I went, basically. You know, I, I had no idea that I'm going to be able to create an amplifier in a sort. I mean, just to be clear, I I didn't build it. I've been a, an important part of the process because of my my skill of playing guitar and. And maybe setting up a tone, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I'm no expert in those things, you know, like, electronics and stuff is, is beyond what I do, basically, but I had this guy in mind, you know, when, when Cilenos asked like you know, he we were talking and and I actually told him like, man, are you happy with your sound? You know, because he seemed grumpy every time he he played. You know, I was like, are you, <laughs> are you, are you even happy with what we're doing here? You know, it's like we're having like small arenas, you know, and stuff. You know, it's quite important to sound good, you know, <laughs> so and, and feel good on stage, you know. And he was like, oh, dude, you know, it's been like this for for like. 30 years or so and we've been having fights and stuff and you know and uh, you know I've been playing all of the amplifiers in the world and I'm not fucking happy you know so Mm
0: -hmm. okay
1: (laughs) I immediately was like I had this guy in, in my in mind that I worked, I mean, I worked with a guitar player from a band called Riverside, which is a, a mm-hmm. prog rock band from Poland, pretty known. Piotr Grudzinski, who passed away sadly a few years ago, but I've been working with him and he's been having this this enormous guitar system, you know, built by, by a guy which lives in Gdansk in Poland. So that's a local situation for me, you know, it's like 20 kilometers from where I used to live and I knew him. And, you know, and this seemed to be like some high standard stuff, you know, and but, you know, it was strictly made for this guitar player. So it wasn't a metal amplifier, you know, but I immediately thought about this guy because of how sophisticated and how all the cables and everything, you know, all the soldering, everything's perfect so you know when i when i was working with with riverside and you know i saw this this complex built uh, you know uh, guitar system with like wet dry wet you know, speakers for the delays and there was this huge fucking rack with drawers you know with different kinds of analog stuff which was all connected to the midi and and every, it was like thousands of cables there and everything was so clean and neat, you know. So I was like, okay, well, first of all, it sounds great. Second, it looks like it's uh, it, it's a, a passionate work, you know. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it's no, no made in China, no insult there. But it's no cheap parts there as well. Yeah. So I thought about MLC because that's the company that I'm talking about. And it's Marek Laskowski, the owner and the creator of the amps. So I called him and I was like, "Dude, you want to make a black metal amplifier?" <laughs> and he was like, "What do you mean?" Well, well, I said, uh, "You need to come to the Dimu Borgir Creator uh, Show in Warsaw like next week with the best amplifier that you have, and please crank up some gain on it, you know, so so <laughs> so we can actually present something to the to the to the guys." And this was like um, December. 2018 and it was a uh, creator Dimo Borgir bloodbath and hate breed uh, a tour mm-hmm. so yeah so a pretty good package and, and Marek came to to Warsaw and and he brought this amplifier and we took it from there and we created you know a different design because the guys were blown away by the sound but it wasn't the dedicated sound yet, you know, but the core sound, the the basic, what was coming out of it was was already so good. It has a lot of, uh, you know, clarity in the sound. And no matter how, how much gain you put in there, it's always, you know, clear. And and you can play the open chords and everything. And it's just, I mean, everybody was blown away by this, you know. So uh, long story short, (laughs) if we can even call it that way. (laughs) Well, basically, I was working with them and I did this uh, artist relations suddenly. You know, I never did anything like that before, but when we talked about it, uh, on the meeting, uh, well, it turned out that I have so much, I know so many people, you know, in the in the music industry in general, and I've been on tours since 1999, so...
0: You know how it works.
1: Yeah, so I, I could take it and show it to um, quite a lot of people, you know, and it was the first season of pandemic, you know, but Scandinavia was open, so we could go... From Poland to Sweden, you know, it wasn't like a full lockdown there because Sweden was, you know, as everybody knows, they had different policies about the, the, the pandemic, you know.
0: Yeah, no policy. So made it easy.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I spent a lot of time there because of that. I took the amplifiers. I, I actually, I, I told the guys, I'm like, this is the, probably the only time in history when... All of the Scandinavian musicians are sitting on their asses at home. You know, they're not on tour. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go and, and show it to them. So I called a couple of studios and, and 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 did a few showcases. You know, I've been to uh, two Mutsens in uh, his aunt farm studio in Denmark.
0: The new one or the old one?
1: The new one. Oh my god, man!
0: Yeah. Okay. Amazing, right? We did a nail the mix there yeah. at the end of 2019. I don't understand. <laughs> I just, uh, man, that place is amazing. That place is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and it happened that when when we arrived there, it was me and Machi Pieloch, uh, which was doing video and and photos, you know, uh, from the from the whole trip. Uh, we we we, we, we uh, visited two uh, over there, and two was like. So you guys are the first guests of the studio, actually. <laughs> there was nobody there mm-hmm. between uh, before us, you know. Uh, he just uh, made it, basically, when we arrived there. And and the rooms that we were sleeping in, the, you know, it was like, it, it's actually done, like, the way it looks. I mean, it's it seems like a medieval time, you know.
0: When we went there, like, he had just moved in. He had had no clients there yet, and the rooms for staying in weren't finished he was working on them
1: oh so you were before us there
0: yeah but we weren't guests of the studio we were staying in a hotel
1: yeah because it wasn't finished okay
0: yeah and we were just doing nail the mix so it's only like 2 days
1: we did 2 days as well we just we just wanted to show it to 2 months and you know basically and see what he thinks and he's pretty great oh i love him And we did the, we did an interview as well and yeah he was very excited about the amps, you know, and yeah, so, so I visited also, um, in Gothenburg, we went to Gothenburg to top floor studios, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. with Jacob. Yeah. With Jacob. Yeah. We've got like all the same friends. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Sounds like. these are, you know, these are the friends I made. Uh, well, uh, uh, I didn't know Jacob before, but I actually met two Matson years ago, mm-hmm. uh, because he was producing, um, ectomorph and i did a, a one tour with ectomorph and you know there was also there was he, he also did a live sound for for the haunted and witchery back in 2001 i think and i was on that it was the only like one of the few times he did live sound actually and it was in mexico and I was there with Behemoth, still playing with Behemoth in Mexico, you know. So we, we kind of uh, met there, but I had no idea who Two is back then, I guess.
0: You know? So you were saying you went to top floor?
1: Yeah, top floor. Uh, we, we had a few guests there um, from Soilwork and yeah, a few, few local guys, you know and uh the second time i've been there we had per nielsen he was passing by or he was having some clinics over there
0: great guitar player
1: oh my god that guy is out of space man (laughs) yeah yeah. but um to the point we ended up uh, in stockholm and i was kind of stuck in stockholm because there's so many musicians there and uh i was i was there for three days first and uh we showed it to a few people, but it wasn't enough time to show it to everybody, you know. And the word spread, and, and there was, uh, you know, Fredrik Akersson from Opeth that wanted to see and check the stuff, but he couldn't come when when I was there. So I knew I would have to come back. And uh, in Stockholm, it, I was at uh, Grondal Studios with David Castillo. Mm-hmm. He did Leprous. And, uh, yeah, we had him on Nail the Mix, too.
0: He... He did the Opeth and Leprous live albums on Know The Mix, oh, yeah. which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's great. Well, I think I think me and David we became. Because we, we became such good friends. We, we've met before because I was working as, uh, as the stage manager for Leprous for a few years. And uh, he was coming to visit the shows. And that's how we met, actually. And, and then I visited his studio and, and I came with these amplifiers. And then we hanged out and we did this um, camper profile from, from one of the amps for, for Silenos. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have his amp profiled, you know. So, so me and David we did we did the profile, and it was a funny story because none of us did it before, you know so and and uh david was like uh i actually hate you know this kind of shit (laughs) he was like i'm not into digital lamps and stuff you know and i'm like well i'm not either but you know let's try let's see what happens you know and give it a shot so 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 we actually studied it uh, on youtube for for a bit you know to see how how it's done and and then when we did it it turned out really really surprisingly good and
0: dude that's what happens with the Kempers is is people are like I hate that shit fuck that stuff and then they learn then they do it right that's the thing is if they use somebody else's profile they're going to keep on thinking it sounds like shit. But if they learn how to do it and then they profile themselves something that they know sounds really good that they worked on and they do it right, then they're like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. This is pretty good, actually.
1: Well, actually, yeah, because um, I don't remember exactly how how it's called, but there's this part of the process when when the guitar player actually is – giving all the all the impulses right for
0: yes the refinement process right
1: yeah refinement process right so it turned out that even though i am no shredder you know because i don't really play solos or anything you know i'm a good you know rhythm guitar player and that's my thing you know when it comes to guitar you know i don't really do solos or anything but i I know a lot about dynamics you know when it comes to this instrument, and mm-hmm. you know I know how you know so so when when i heard when I heard David telling me like okay so so give me uh, give me the the widest spectrum of uh of frequencies and you know of of dynamics from mm-hmm. from the instrument as possible so when I heard that. I started fooling around, you know, with some really crazy shit, you know, like, but then it turned out that it was the right way to do it because I was bending the strings so much, you know, and like hitting it so hard that actually the, the, the whole process was, was done right. And the information that was sent into the, into the camper was so wide that when I played it later on, David was like, okay, so turn around they play the guitar and i'm going to switch the channels and you you try to tell me which one is the amplifier which one is the the kemper you know <laughs> and every time i po- i pointed on kemper to be the amplifier and i was like damn
0: back in the day when i first got a kemper i mean i, I got one in 2013 i remember sneep had gotten one like that was pre-release and he told my studio partners that we should we should get one cuz uh he was suggesting it for my studio partner who was in a wheelchair because it would make his life a lot easier. Of course. And uh, so he got one, and I, I was like, okay, I want one too. So we got, at that studio, we all got them before they ever came out. So when they came out, people were very, very negative about them. And so what I, I would do exactly that. I would profile something with them there, and then I would get them to pick which one it is. And always, always, always... They got it wrong, and I think that part of it is because when you make a profile, if you fuck with it enough, in some cases, lots of cases, you can make it sound better than the actual amp. And now keep in mind that the amp, like, you can EQ that shit later in a mix and make it sound better, but, like, the profile itself, if you do the right stuff, you can get it to sound slightly better than the actual tone that you're profiling, so people always the camper and thought it was the real thing.
1: I mean, I've been trying some uh, some uh, some profiles that that we uh, I got from from camper when I was um, I think uh, one of the representatives of camper came to the pre production of uh, of one of the demo Borgir tours and mm-hmm. and uh, and he brought us some some uh, some cool profiles to use. That was pre pre-signature uh, amplifier situation, you know, so we didn't have it, and, and we used camper mo- mostly. It was big names, you know, like Jerry Cantrell and, every, you know, Grant Hintz, and uh, it's it's like, you know, okay, I, I'm switching this on, but it's not it.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't understand about the camper is it has a very specific use, which is to profile a sound with a player exactly like it's a, it's like the the entire picture the get that guitar player with that guitar through that head and that cabinet then and there with those settings. it's not an amp where where you can like dial different sounds, and it's not something where you can give it to somebody else who plays differently and is going to use a different guitar yeah, and expect exactly. it to sound good. It's only gonna sound good, yeah, in this situation it was created in in my experience.
1: I never thought about it so deep, like we are doing it right now, actually. But when you said it, it makes a lot of sense now. That if I would ever have one, because I never had one myself, I didn't really need it. uh, uh, I would profile it on, you know, for my own usage individually. You know, it should be yeah
0: yeah that's what you're supposed to do i just think so many people think they see these tone packs these kemper tone packs that you can buy and they see all that marketing shit and a lot of people don't know how to dial good tones so there's that too so you have a a lot of people marketing products to people and then you have a lot of other people who don't know how to dial a good tone also like talking about this online and it it creates this weird idea of what the Kempers for or what it does well, but <laughs> yeah. what it actually does well is it takes a snapshot of one person, one setting, one point in time, so that you can always bring that thing back. But that's why, you know, producers will send a guitar player from a band their profile that they made on that album with that player and they'll use that live because it's their sound. It's literally their sound. But yeah, if you download Jerry Cantrell's profile, it's not going to (laughs) sound, No, there's a slight chance it'll sound okay with you, but more than likely it's not going to be what you expected.
1: Exactly. You know, and uh, I used to be a skeptic myself, you know, about campers, about in general, digital stuff, I, yeah. I was never using it myself.
0: It used to suck.
1: It used to suck, yeah. And uh, and then Kemper, I mean, first, no, first I actually had experience with some, uh, with Axifax, you know, and and uh, I was working with Therion and I didn't know shit about it how it works. But, you know, the, the band didn't use amps for years already. They were always on the ears, mm-hmm. too many singers on stage to make noise, you know? And, and so, you know, it was, it had to be this way, but I was surprised by the XFX, you know, like, I mean, for, for this certain kind of,
0: it was better than you expected.
1: Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, and, and safer, I mean, for a touring situation and and a lot of flying, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. was uh, that was definitely making my life as a guitar tech uh, uh, in that situation a lot better. And uh, you know, because if you go South America, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> you
0: can't we we all we all know <laughs> anyone listening who's toured South America is probably laughing right now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not about laughing about them. It's just that
0: no, no, you're laughing about the amps.
1: <laughs> there's there's a lot of about really the back lines. bad backline there, you know, and, and it's yeah. just terrible. And uh, since since digital uh, uh, devices showed up, you know, the life of of a touring musician, the touring uh, uh, technician, got so much so much easier you know because we we could we could just just bring that little box you know with us
0: and it saves so much money too
1: exactly exactly yeah yeah and uh, you know what i was doing with uh, uh before we we did this amplifier for for silenos you know uh, i was um, i was splitting the sound actually because because uh, of um, of different tastes or different uh, visions, or you know, within the band, when it comes to the guitar sound. So let's say uh, two people have a different opinion about the guitar sound, you know, and
0: two people have a different opinion about one person's guitar sound.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. So so you need to split the signal, you know, basically in that in that situation, you know. So so what I did uh, with demo was, uh, uh, you know, the sound that was going. To the ears and uh, and in front of house was coming from from a line of of the camper. It was just straight from camper. And then I, I had this uh, split signal for uh, for uh, Silenos on stage. So he had actually the cabinets. I mean, they always have cabinets that are playing on stage, but uh, the amplifiers are well. At least since I'm working, they're mostly there to uh to as a backup you know yeah so since they were there already i was like how about we use them as a, as a power amp uh, to power up that uh that second you know chain uh so so this way actually i i had two uh sounds of one guitar you know and and sven started to be less grumpy you know silenos i mean <laughs> and uh, i understand uh, a guitar player not being happy on stage because I, I am that too. Probably that's why my uh, I was doing the job well, because I'm ma- mainly a guitar player, you know, and-
0: Yeah, it helps if you under, if you actually get it. Uh, yeah, I imagine too, man, that it's hard for that band yeah to sound good live. Not because they don't sound good, but because there's so much going on. stuff going on. Like just, it sounds like to me, like an epic challenge to just get them sounding good just because man blast beats with an orchestra with like fast guitars with like double bass with like vocals with a ton of effects on them with distorted bass with like everything like if it's so much stuff and guitar already takes up so much space in the frequency spectrum and also they play big venues like it's hard to get fast music and metal that sound good in big venues to begin with so it just seems like such a challenge and i've seen i've heard them live and they've sounded great and i was always like wow
1: they are perfectionists you know like
0: yeah that's what i've heard
1: the biggest strength of the musicianship of this band is that everybody's solid galder the tommy one of the guitar players he's right hand and like you know The articulation and the way he's playing fast riffs is just insane. I mean, it's so clean and so strong. I mean, he's hitting really hard.
0: Yeah. I think people don't understand how good these guys are as musicians because they don't show off. They just write really good music with really great guitar arrangements that serve this huge orchestration and so you can't have like crazy solos and like you have to write a part that's exactly right that fits perfectly that has the right atmosphere the right vibe but then also is like heavy enough but then also doesn't get in the way of everything else it's so skilled and they yeah. do it so well but because it's not like you know dream theater or something no. like i think that people don't recognize how good these guys are
1: Exactly, man. And I I didn't I didn't realize until I started working with them, you know, and I I have to admit that uh, when I was a kid, when I was in the 90s, you know, I, I listened to to their first albums, or whatever, but I wasn't a big fan later on, you know. Mm-hmm. And still, it's not like one of those bands that I listen to. But you know, there's something more important about them for me right now. When I started working, you know, we we actually clicked as human beings, you know, in the first place. Me and uh, especially me and Sven the Silenos, but all the all mm-hmm. the all the guys actually, you know. And I finally started to. To feel like there is uh, there is more to do in this band than just guitar teching, just changing strings, just doing the same thing every day. I had to wake up a, a kind of a natural uh, psychologist in me as well, in, in in many cases. But but most of all, suddenly I suddenly I had this this uh, you know open space to work with the guitar sound because. It wasn't there. I mean, they were struggling. So when I heard Silenus asking me, like, can you help me out? I was like, finally a challenge, you know? Finally something. Yep. And uh, and it was really uh, a lot of fun to, to work with that, you know? And it was even more fun to nail it you know at the end because that's what uh, what happened when we actually came up with the with the amplifier at the end
0: for listeners of my other podcast too the URM podcast and uh, you know people who are looking to have a career in music. One of the things that I talk about on the other podcasts a lot is providing value for people, figuring out the problems they don't know they have and help them with it, uh, help make their lives better. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There was this problem with the guitar sound that they kind of knew they had, but doesn't sound like they were 100%. Like sometimes, you know what I mean? Like sometimes there's certain things in life that bother you, but for some reason you've just accepted it. Even though you intellectually know that maybe you could do something about it, there's a part of your brain that has just accepted that that's how it is. But you're never happy with it.
1: It's not healthy.
0: <laughs> but it's full. It's totally natural, though. There's only so many things we can actively focus on in life at one time. But there's more things in our lives than we can actually give full focus to. Some things would take help from somebody else, and uh, and so this is a perfect example of what I mean when by providing value is uh, you know you saw this problem that they were having that if they were able to fix it without help they would have already fixed it
1: oh yeah it's a long it, time it, ago it would happen you know um because this is actually a uh, uh, quite deep what happened because it affected my life as well in a good way you know what happened because i i got a new challenge so i i, I kind of uh, you know, wanted to prove myself because then somebody gave me a chance to do something that I actually might be able to do. And I never did it before. And, you know, what happened was, uh, uh, Silenus and me were calling this thing that happened, and it happens to all of us, un- it's called the universal exchange, you know?
0: What does that mean?
1: It's the exchange of energy between people, you know? It's like if we clicked as human beings, you know, at first, you know, that was the first thing. Then it turned out that my guitar playing is quite close to Sven's guitar playing, uh, c uh, Sorry, I, Sven is his name, so... I, I tend to call him Sven all the time. That bond actually took it to the next level. So he trusted me, and I was like, I was eager to to help. I saw that he's struggling, and I don't like to see my friends struggling. So, so I tried to help, and and then he said, "Yeah, man. Well, I kind of have a good feeling about this, you know." And then the rest is is also the 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 universal exchange because then I I forwarded this energy to to Marek from MLC Amps, who actually was kind of struggling with his company because it's a small uh, uh, manufacturer, you know. He's he's doing it on his with his own hands, you know. So so it's tough to hold a business like that, you know. And he was actually struggling. So so I came with this new idea, you know. And presented it to him, and he was like, he got this spark, you know, and like finally a new challenge. Do let's do something, something uh, I've never done before, you know. And he nailed it. We worked on the sound together, but he nailed it, you know. He he built the amp, and and when he presented it, we we went to visit Silenos uh, in Oslo in, in Norway with, with the first prototype, and uh, you know. This was the first step, but, you know, when we came there, it was like the circle was closing. So, you know, we kind of uh, had this energy going around and then we came with an actual amplifier that was the beginning of what would happen next, you know. So we could talk for hours about that, but long story short, after a few more uh, adjustments and, and, and changes, you know, to, to, uh, uh, to the sound. The final result was that everybody accepted it and more. And everybody was happy with it. And then, you know, I mean, everybody's happy. Sven is happy. The other guys in the band, also the, the sound guys, they were like, what the hell, man, this, this is the best guitar sound ever. The company, MLC... Got the new life, they produced a the new model of an amplifier, which is uh I'm not sure if it's on sales yet, but but you know, the design and everything of that amplifier, it's completely demoborger, it has like nails on it and, and you know, yeah, all the black metal looks, you know, and everything. There's no clean channel, there's just two high-gain two different high gain channels and and a gate because because without a gate you can't can't run that thing you know yes those things about the uh, universal exchange is just you know it's it's about good energy flow if you're a good person if you if you click with somebody in uh, on the energy level then good things are going to happen you know for sure if you go for it you know
0: I completely completely agree and I do also want to point out that the order in which things happen, the order in which you describe them is you know, first you click as people, you establish trust and have a relationship in place at first. That, but without any of that, the rest isn't possible.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: In my experience and opinion.
1: Exactly. Just try to be a good human being. The rest will happen, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, Totally. I want to talk a little bit about that guitar style, actually, about your guitar style and that particular guitar style. It's a lot how I play as well. And you don't, many people don't talk about it much. What I'm wondering is, did you ever study any theory or harmony or where did you learn that sort of language that like dark, I don't want to say black metal because it's, but like that black metal influence, super dark type of metal playing how did you learn it?
1: I never studied any theory more than there was some in my primary primary school, you know. So basically, none. I got my first guitar when I was nine, and it was a classical guitar. With the guitar, I had this uh, uh, like a guitar course, flamenco guitar course in the in the in the beginning, you know. But I was a nine-year-old. I wanted to be slash, you know, and <laughs> didn't we all? <laughs> yeah. So I, I really wanted to just rock on guitar you know but but i did like 10 months of that flamenco playing i think it did something good to me for sure but the rest is basically me learning on my own what i was doing is probably a lot different from from most of the guitar players cuz i was mostly refusing to play any covers I mean, there was a few, of course, because I had to learn something. I learned some, you know, Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix, you know, just to learn chords. And, you know, that was like just the first part. And then I was always digging a lot into my emotions, you know, what I was doing with the guitar. I was focusing, I was playing constantly, you know, but Mm -hmm. no books, no, I mean, that's pre-internet, of course so no tab books or anything no lessons uh just listening to a lot of music and well i discovered dark music uh, quite early i was like 13 when i discovered all this uh entombed and uh you know mayhem and mm-hmm. all the uh, those katatonia opeth the first albums and you know i, I I something was drawing me drawing me to to that music and probably I didn't understand but I always had those dark emotions inside you know I was really uh, focusing on them while practicing guitar back home for hours you know that's why uh, my guitar playing is quite simple I mean it's it's very simple when when you think about the cor- chord pro- progressions or anything. Sometimes there's none, you know.
0: I mean, that's that's just metal. Is that sometimes there's none?
1: Yeah, exactly. But but you know, it's 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 more important for me to transmit the emotions that are.
0: But is it is it a direct thing? Like I feel this way now, and so that like. I feel this way and I feel this way when I'm playing it? Or do you think it's more, a little more abstract? Like you feel this way in general. And then when you play somehow, it comes out through it, but it's not necessarily like, this is depression.
1: It's a lot of things, you know, but you know, I am, I am beginning to understand it more and more since I got sober, completely sober. And uh, I kind of uh, attached myself finally I feel attached to reality like never before.
0: Getting sober will do that.
1: Well, in my case, for sure, because, you know, uh, it's, I mean, I I have a a quite, uh, quite a tragic story happening to me uh, not so long ago, you know, and uh, uh, that's due to, I had no idea that I, that I'm bipolar, that I have bipolar disorder, which a lot of people have, you know, but, uh, I didn't, didn't know about it for most of my life, you know?
0: Yeah, man, it's, it's something that a lot of people have, but if it's undiagnosed, it can really, really cause a lot of problems.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I got addicted, you know, because of bipolar I, I started using too much alcohol and drugs, you know, basic...
0: Kind of self-medicating?
1: Yeah. Well, now when I'm in, on in therapy, we kind of figured it out that I was self-medicating. Because since I, I got diagnosed, you know, and I started treatment with the meds, I cut off all the all of my addictions, basically, just like that, you know? I mean, yep. it, it wasn't just like that because it was hard, but I... When I caught it, I caught it, you know, and it's not like it's coming back. I really uh, focused because I understood what's going on finally, because my my musical history goes from, you know, teenage uh, whatever. Then I was a teenager when I played with Behemoth. Uh, I was 17 when I joined Behemoth, you know, and we went around the world. We did the first U.S. tours and everything. I felt it's not me. And we were doing like 200 shows a year. So I was literally fucking, you know, it was just too much. And that's where the drinking and everything started, you know, as it usually does, you know, when you, you can imagine like 200 shows a year with, uh, you know, on the underground level, you know, (laughs) that's insane, you know. So my, my next band, which was, my band basically with with my friends back home blinded you know this was a a completely different story and it was uh that's where all the real emotions were were transmitted you know so it was a different kind of music more sludgy uh uh, then then it became more progressive uh, lighter you know it was every record was different but every record was a kind of a concept album you know so there was a storyline you know and it was basically at that point I knew that I am transmitting my my emotions and it was usually my uh my kind of vision to lead the the the, the dynamics of the album like this and this you know in general and uh it was strictly connected w- with what I was feeling but I wasn't really clean back then you know there was a lot of weed uh, when when i was uh, w- when i was writing or when we were writing as a band you know we were 20 plus something you know it was fun you know there was always drinking always you know some some uh, some weed whatever we were always performing clean uh, uh, sober uh, when it comes to life situations you know uh, when it when it got more serious because it got more serious with that band at some point and we were touring Europe and 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 we had a really good position in Poland as well so but this kind of went came to an end and it came to an end with me feeling really bad you know I stopped I stopped writing music I, I just drowned in the void or whatever you you want to yeah. call it you know and and uh, you know I was a stubborn. Some <laughs> son of a bitch, you know, and, and, and I didn't want to go to, to, to see a doctor. And, you know, it's, it's one of the, the cliche drama stories, you know, that, that a lot of people go through. It's just, you know, if if uh, uh, well, if I would go there, go diagnose myself earlier, maybe all of this would happen earlier. But you know, everybody has its own time. But you know, with me, it almost ended tragically because uh, a year ago, I uh, I had a my my uh, suicide attempt. I, I'm not I'm not afraid of talking about it now, actually, because I know that I wasn't really uh, myself when when this was happening. But it was that bad, you know. And uh, after that, uh, I got finally, I got to a doctor, and you know, and and got diagnosed, and and I basically cut off all of the uh, everything, you know, that I was living in, you know, all the, all the bands, all the friends, everything. I moved to another city, yeah, and uh, and started the uh, the treatment and got clean. Like that you know as soon as I was out I was out you know
0: yeah it makes sense
1: and, and I knew that uh, that mixing you know my medications with if it's alcohol or drugs you know a lot of famous musicians died because of that you know yes like uh, the, the the bad mixture of psychotropic you know medication and drugs or alcohol in a, in a few months I'm gonna it's gonna be one year. Since I'm sober, you know, and and I'm basically living like a monk now. <laughs> I mean, I live in the city, but I uh, I really keep myself away from from all the social life, you know, because it's it's just makes sense, you know. It's it's still a, a thin line, you know, to fall into that stuff, you know, and I don't really want to do that. I don't want anything from outside to take over my life again, you know, but. To the point, uh, when it comes to music, music became part of the therapy for me again. I mean, but, but this time consciously, you know, and uh, I started uh, as, as part of my therapy, I started writing on my own for the first time. Just me. That was the first step I did here when I had a few a few uh, a few concrete ideas I actually called my friend uh, Roger Oyerson from from catatonia and uh, Amamet he's an amazing guitar player and uh, and uh, instrumental multi-instrumentalist in general so I called him just just asking, for advice with an arrangement and then we ended up writing an album together you know so so that's what we're we're actually a, a little bit easy now on that but we we we, we have quite a, quite a lot of material wrote written already and so this actually is the first time when I consciously without any disturbances from like any distractions from outside I am actually concentrating on on uh, transmitting those emotions that we're talking about and so this time it's not just happening this time is me actually processing all of that consciously so 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 how it works is you know i i don't refuse any of the emotions that are Happening, you know, as part of of the therapy as well. It's not good to to hold back all everything that is that is you know inside of you. You know, is if it's anger or whatever. You know, so I I actually let myself feel those emotions, and in the same time, I need to be careful to 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 keep it stable with the bipolar. You know, because anything could trigger the manic state or the or, or the depressive state. But in the same time, I can't deny any of the triggers you know so i i need to grasp them and 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 kind of work work around things you know so this is actually creating a new quality to what i'm doing musically because it was never on that level in my head you know so so right now it's like you know I, i don't force anything you know i just I just walk around, you know, sometimes I listen to music, but I walk a lot, basically, you know, I do, I do a lot of walking, and thinking, and, uh, you know, listening to my ideas that I recorded already, or listening to what's going on in my head. And, you know, and trying to let it out. And a lot uh, happens, you know, with words on my vlog that I that I started running, you know, because I opened up uh, publicly about my bipolar disorder and the addiction problem and everything. I talk about it on my vlog on YouTube, and I started podcasting as well. And uh, for now, there's only one conversation with, uh, with my friend Nergel. From behemoth you know on my on my channel it's in english so so if you guys want to check it out check it out on my youtube it's a very very interesting conversation with with a long time friend of mine you know which uh which we used to play together and uh and now he's one of my best friends still
0: and he's a very intelligent charismatic and deep person so I think it's probably a great conversation, I'm sure.
1: We we never actually talked uh, in this way, especially publicly. But I think it was also one of the longest conversations without interruptions that we ever had. Because, you know, he's always doing... Like million things in the same time, you know. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so when we were meeting socially, there was always phone calls. There was always, you know, a lot of people distracting and stuff. So,
0: man, that's the great thing about podcasting. I need to say, like, yeah. What I love about podcasting is that it really is the only time that I get two, one or two or three focused hours to have conversations with all these amazing people that some of them I know in real life, but yeah, like you said, you see each other on tour or shoot the shit on the internet or whatever. Uh, you see each other at Nam or any of these, Yeah, the even, or maybe back in the day at the bar or something, but it's, you don't get like, A few hours of their uninterrupted focus and just conversation like and a lot of busy people aren't willing to just talk on the phone for like three hours or two hours so but a podcast allows for that
1: exactly man i mean like when i think about uh the 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 contact we have with with nergal like usually i'm actually supposed to meet him today. He's in, in, uh, in the town that I live today, shooting a Behemoth video uh, tomorrow, I think. So we're going for dinner later on, but you know, we're not even calling each other anymore. It's like those audio messages, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. very quick, you know, and, uh, I- I'm so happy that, uh, that I, that I got to, to have him on, on, on the podcast, on the first episode.
0: I'm going to listen to it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes for this too
1: awesome it's it's a video podcast actually okay i wanted to to do a, a video thing so it's it's in a really nice uh, kind of ah you'll see the conversation we had first of all it was all in english i mean we we used to talk in english with with, with friends on tour of course you know but me and him we never had a conversation in english so that was that was new. The other thing is that we actually talked a lot about uh, things that probably not a lot of people get to talk about with Nergal, you know, quite some personal stuff, you know, like like anxiety that he has as well and stuff like that, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, there's some funny stories from the past, you know, there's a section that we talk about the common artists that we get inspired by, you know, and stuff like that. But in general, it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, non-musical conversation, you know. It's more about he- being a human being, you know, and 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 how it is to to be judged, and you know, to make uh, difficult decisions in life and stuff like that. But you know, it's all. He's actually a very important friend of mine, you know. Beside being a former bandmate, you know, he's one of the few friends that survived, basically. You know, and it's still there, and mm-hmm. and he still cares and. I care about him and you know we always check on each other you know it's like we're we're uh, we're actually real people for each other you know so that's a that's a good thing you know I don't think a lot of people can 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 say this about their former bandmates you know no <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> yeah so you know it all brings i mean it all brings me to basically to to a good place right now you know I, I feel like I'm in a good place, and uh, I play guitar a lot lately, and this this was kind of a, an issue for, for a few years, you know. I was touring a lot as a guitar tech, and then I was touring with my band when I was, was in between tours as a guitar tech, but it was basically a lot of touring, and I was tired, I guess, you know, of it all.
0: Yep, I completely understand.
1: Now it's just me... Uh, uh you know i have a few students now i started you know doing these guitar meetings uh i call them guitar meetings cuz i don't know theory so i don't really want to call myself a guitar teacher you know <laughs> so what i what i what i opened up for and i was always resistant to is actually Uh, sharing my experience you know on guitar with whoever wants to wants to join online or in person you know so that's what I'm doing now and it actually unlocked another level of guitar playing for me because uh because I started uh, to feel joy by playing some some riffs that I uh, that I really enjoy listening to, but I never got to play them because I was like, you know, one of those guys, I don't play covers, I don't play covers, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually, I'm having one of my, my daily routines, you know, because that's what you do when you're bipolar. You, you, it's good to have routines, you know? So one of the routines in my life now is the riff of the day, you know? So I get up, nice. I get up in the morning I I learned a riff that I love, but I never played it. I record it on the Insta story, you know, and, and post it uh, every morning. So people see that I'm sober still <laughs> and I'm, play, I'm playing some riffs and having a good time.
0: It's great that music is built into uh, the, I guess, the routine.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I I, I don't think, I mean, music is... I realize more than ever right now that music is the most important thing in my life, you know basically and on 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 all of the levels you know when it comes to music i mean to listening, I listen to a lot of stuff that i the I was refusing to listen for whatever reason, so i had had no time so yeah, I listen to a lot of music now and i I write a lot of music and uh I even play some covers you know <laughs> so
0: do you feel there's a uh a resistance in the metal community for getting treatment when it comes to mental health issues.
1: I'm not sure if we should close it to to metal community. You know,
0: just in general, I guess.
1: I think in in general, and it is an issue, especially in the men's world. Yes it's the macho thing it comes with too much pride or ego whatever you know to to admit even in front of yourself that maybe i'm depressed you know maybe i need help you know you know guys i mean especially in poland all i can say is what i see here now it's like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that don't understand the, the subject on of mental health, you know, it's stigmatized, you know, in a lot of examples, you know, it's just like, oh, you're fucking insane. <laughs> it's so wrong, you know, <laughs> because if you have mental health issues, you know, it's like any other issues, you know. I mean, of course, there are there are super uh, complicated issues, you know, like schizophrenia and stuff like that, you know, but the, there is a wide spectrum of mental issues, you know, that actually can be managed, you know, and, and you can function normally, so to speak, you know, if you treat it right, you know, or if you respect it. So in my case, it's like, it's not a, it's not a great idea to, to drink alcohol and do drugs when you're bipolar, even occasionally, you know?
0: Yeah. Just zero.
1: Because when you're bipolar, it can just trigger one of those manic or depressive states, which will stick to you for half a year, for example, you know, I've been there.
0: It's not worth it.
1: No. And, you know, but it's all about being aware that it's happening, you know, because if you're not aware and you just go with the flow and you hide things in front of people, because that's how it usually works. You know, I was this guy. I was the guy that was the most uh social happy clown, you know, in the group, you know, in the pack, you know, and I was going out drinking and I was the funniest guy. But when I was back home, I was really in a bad place. You know? I'm a good example or a bad example, whatever. But now I'm a good example because I took care of it.
0: <laughs> well, I just, man, I think that not even with stuff like bipolar, I think with just regular depression, regular anxiety, yeah. those are very common in the world but especially among artists and musicians depression affects so many people in our community and so many people don't treat it i've been getting it treated since i was like 15 so i'm a huge proponent for treatment and i can say that the times when i haven't treated it have been terrible
1: i just remembered one one important thing about that that you know there's artists or musicians in general that think they need the depression. <laughs> they're wrong. You know, they think if they if they get rid of it, they're they're gonna lose their uh, their ability to to make music or something. And that is so such a big bullshit. You know, let's put it straight. You're not yourself if you think like that. You know, it, it's I got. I got on treatment, I got sober, but I still have the same emotions that I that I was transmitting before when I was not treating myself and I feel I am actually understanding them more and I I can, you know, make uh, better music because of that.
0: I agree with you completely. It's not just with depression, it's with drugs and alcohol. I think that lo- there's this weird myth among creative people that They need the substance in order to be creative, just like they need their depression in order to be creative. Both of those are fallacies, and they get people killed. It's a very, 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 very destructive myth. You know, if I can even convince one person that it's bullshit, that's good because uh, it does kill people to think that way. I think that with the drugs and alcohol part, what ends up happening is lots of the time, some artists will get sober and then the music they'll put out won't be as good as what they did before. And so people will make this false correlation between, well, they got sober. Now their music's not so good. Clearly they needed the drugs. I should keep taking drugs, but uh, they're not looking at the big picture. You know, There's lots of things that could have happened. A, they could be totally burned out. They could be in recovery and trying to make an album in recovery. They could have already peaked as an artist. That happens too, you know, drugs or no drugs. Every artist has their peak. And now that doesn't mean that they can't do great stuff afterwards, but every band, for instance, has, you know, their peak. And their peak can be 30 years long or can be two years long and everything in between. But every artist has a life cycle. And sometimes I think that people will get sober after their peak and the fans will associate them being past their peak and that music with having something to do with sobriety, and it's completely unrelated.
1: I agree with that. But there's also one thing that that came to my mind when you said that, that uh, actually a lot of artists that, that got sober and they had their peak with their former bands or, you know, the band had its peak and they were the main uh, writers or whatever, they got sober. The mistake they're doing is they're trying to do the same thing.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: A lot of times they're actually falling into that pressure. People are expecting always from their favorite artists, they want their best album again. (laughs) And it it never happens. I mean, and, and artists that are searching for that Thing that you put on the, the peak album, is not going to repeat. You know, you need to search for something something new that that can peak. You know, and, and that's that's the way to go. That's why I'm like, we, we did put my band blinded on on hiatus. You know, we didn't call it quits, but I said it uh, honestly that. I need to take care of myself, you know. My band is is everything connected with with my bad habits before, you know. So so if I try to continue that right now, I'm I'm going to struggle, you know, because I will have to face all those memories, all those triggers that are, you know, the same faces, the same people, the same songs that that were made under influence whatever, you know. So I'm not really looking back at at this, you know, when I think about myself as a musician right now, you know, and uh, I'm really looking for uh, the best version of myself in music but not looking back you know that's my first step right now and and the first album that will co- come out of this which i don't know when it's a go- is it going to be because i'm not going to rush this as well you know i know there is a good material in 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 making and it's beautiful and i might rush it i could rush it you know and some people want it you know but i am not feeling it yet you know it's like i i need to process all this and my partners in that we're long distance you know so it's like and the thing that we said in the beginning when we decided to do this and that's again roger oyerson from carotonia and uh, pavel yaroshevich who was a drummer in decapitated invader and many other bands it's three of us making this record you know Right now, we're kind of quiet about it, you know, and that's how it's supposed to be, I guess. You know, it's like everybody's doing their own thing, you know, uh, and uh, probably uh, there's going to be an evening. We're going to be like, you know, OK, let's come back to it. But, you know, what I learned from from all these years of of being in bands and and watching also, because I have also this perspective of, of a guy that was touring with with other bands, you know, as a crew member, I am a kind of an observer, you know, naturally. So I I don't judge people, but I observe what's going on, you know, and I kind of uh, naturally try to learn from from people's behaviors, you know, in in, in groups, and and uh, so what I learned from all that I experienced and saw around me is that uh, the best music and you know the best careers are made without pressure, you know. On the inside from the group, you know, like the best songs are made, you know, just with the flow that that happens in that certain moment without thinking, you know, I'm just following my gut right now. But most important for me right now is to be healthy and to 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 feel good as a human being and to feel safe you know and uh i don't really feel safe yet you know to come back to to a regular uh social musician life you know so what i'm gonna do i'm gonna continue doing you know uh my guitar meetings and writing in quiet you know and next year i'm gonna slowly start uh uh, uh, working with bands that i want to still work with you know it's going to be emperor and Dimo Borghi, you know basically because those bands have like you know not very demanding schedules you know and they're they're big enough so so it's comfortable to to tour with them and you know and there is a it's also people that understand the whole myth is a myth you know so uh, it's not like hey it's let's go get fucking wasted it's like hey let's go make the best you know gigs ever yes that's the most important thing you know because that's why we are here we're not here to drink and show up how much alcohol we can drink you know or <laughs> oh whatever you know because that's that's the how the myth usually works right. you know and then people People make mistakes and stuff, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's a a lot uh, better to come to those conclusions at some point, you know, I mean, everybody has their time. I'm 39. I needed 39 years. So
0: Yeah. I mean, it's never too late. Exactly. It's absolutely never too late. And uh, I think if anybody listening to this uh, is struggling with mental health issues and are not getting treatment. Maybe this is maybe this is the push they need to go get some help.
1: Since I started opening up publicly about that subject, in first place, I did it for my own um, reasons, you know, and I wanted to get better. And we figured out with my therapist that this kind of uh, therapy by spoken word towards the world, you know, is good for me. Then it turned out that it's also good for other people because some people started actually listening to what I'm saying, what I'm sharing, you know, and then I after a few weeks of doing that, I, I was getting hundreds of messages, you know, from people around the world, you know, that actually were triggered to think about themselves and maybe get go get checked, you know. Because what I was saying sounded a lot like them, I guess, you know. And uh that was uh that was a very uh heartwarming and, and encouraging as well, you know, to, to hear that, you know, so, so it kind of pushed me and f- made me feel more comfortable about sharing publicly as well, you know? So if, I mean, if, uh, if any of you uh, that are listening are uh, interested about those things, you know, you can, you can also check out some of my vlogs on, on my channel where, where you can find that podcast, you know, I'm posting regularly. So, so uh, check it out if you want if you're interested.
0: Great, man. Well, I think this is a good place to end the episode. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to hang out with me. It's been a pleasure talking to you and meeting you.
1: Thank you so much, Eyal. And thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been a pleasure to be a guest here.
0: Thank you.